Welcome back, everybody, to the Your Backyard Boogeyman podcast, where I tell you who is hiding in your bushes. So, this week, we are going to be covering vampires. Um, I'm very excited um, and slightly disappointed because this is <laughs> almost a week late. Uh, I try to get my episodes out every Thursday, but it was just not happening last week. Um, and my very best friend, who made an appearance on last week's episode... Um, about werewolves. If you miss that, go check it out. Um, we had a lot of fun recording. The audio gave me a lot of trouble. I was listening to the beginning of it, um, this morning, and for some reason, there's, like, a whole chunk of audio just left out in the beginning. Like, it interrupts my friend in the middle of her sentence, and then it jumps to, um, the introduction I was reading for the episode, And so there's, like, a whole three-minute chunk of audio just missing, and, like, nothing makes sense in the beginning, and I don't know if it was just, like, when I was listening to it on Spotify, I don't know if Spotify was just, like, cutting out or something, or if my audio was really just messed up, and for some reason I missed it when I was editing, I don't know. So, anyway, sorry about that. Um, it was kind of terrible, honestly. Uh, so hopefully this week goes better. Um, yeah, vampires, all right. So, The Origin of Vampires. The most popular work about vampires was written by Bram Stoker, um, which was Dracula in 1897, and a lot of researchers think that he might have gained inspiration for the book from a man named Vlad Dracul, aka Vlad the Impaler, if any of you have heard of him, uh, and he ruled Wallachia in Romania from 1456 to 1462. Um, And he fought off the Ottoman Empire during the Ottoman War in the 1460s, like right in the middle of his reign. And he earned his nickname, Vlad the Impaler, because his favorite way to kill his enemies was to impale them on a wooden stake. So he would literally, like, drive a lot, like a really long stake inside of his victims and then, like, place it in the ground like a a tiny tree, a person tree, and they would just be staked up there. Sounds really unpleasant. Not how I want to go. Um, yeah. And, uh, another part of his legend is that he would eat large meals. He would basically feast while his victims were dying and dip bread in their blood and eat it. That sounds nasty. Uh, and all I'm imagining is Vlad just, like, chilling at his kitchen table and all these people are just dying around him, like, in the middle of a war. And he's just, like, drinking their blood like his morning coffee, just chilling, hanging out. Casual day. I really don't like that. Sounds really unpleasant. He sounds like a terrible guy. Um, but he protected his country and people in Romania still to this day think of him as a hero because, um, they gained their independence. So that's pretty cool. Um, now... Uh, the Dracula book by Bram Stoker, which is actually a really good book, uh, doesn't totally remind me of Vlad the Impaler, the real guy, um, because Stoker did not base his character off of the actual man's life, um, he just took a few elements from his character, uh, like, Vlad the Impaler's, like, character, like, his mannerisms and just how he lived his life. Um, he took some of his elements and placed those in his Dracula character. So that's really interesting. 
So some elements that Bram Stoker took from Vlad the Impaler were the wooden stake. Vlad would impale people with wooden stakes, so uh, Stoker made it so the way to kill a vampire would be by driving a wooden stake into his heart. And they were both from Romania. Um, Dracula, Bram Stoker's character, was from Transylvania. And Vlad would drink his victim's blood after he killed them. And Dracula would suck his victim's blood from their necks, you know, as vampires do. And uh, despite popular belief, Bram Stoker was not the first one to write a story about a vampire. The first written story about vampires was called The Vampire, spelled V-A-M-P-Y-R-E. And it was a short work of prose fiction written in 1819 by John William Polidori as part of a contest among himself, Mary Shelley, Percy Shelley, and Lord Byron. The same contest produced the novel Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Um, I'm sure we all had a terrible time reading that in high school. I know I did. Um, the Vampire is basically about a mysterious man named Lord Ruthven who arrives in London and meets a man named Aubrey who goes on some travels with him and it's discovered that Lord Ruthven is a vampire and everybody he meets has an untimely death and Ruthven up eventually marries Aubrey's sister and when he can't warn her what he is in time before he dies and his sister was killed on their wedding night and Ruthven drank literally all her blood and disappeared so that really sucks I would hate to be that guy you know sucks for Aubrey he had to die before he could warn his sister that she was gonna marry a vampire that's really unfortunate and then this man just like killed her and ran off and then you know other citizens just discovered her body on her wedding night bro that is so sad I can't get over that but yeah that is uh the very first written um story about vampires but some of the human history on vampirism is actually pretty interesting um so during the middle ages especially during the period when the plague was prevalent it was common that people were labeled as vampires believe it or not most likely due to the fact that the plague left its victims with lesions on their mouths and they would bleed so i guess people thought plague victims were just out here sucking everyone's blood as if they weren't bedridden and in pain and like infecting literally everyone else um, and another possibility is a blood disease we actually talked about in the last episode about werewolves um, called porphyria, which causes extreme blisters on the skin when you're exposed to the sun. So I guess that's why vampires are believed to stay away from sunlight. Um, so they can really only come out at night or just live in the dark, I guess, people who have this blood disease. Um, some symptoms can be temporarily relieved by ingesting blood, technically, uh, by principle, but it's sort of ineffective when you actually drink blood. Let me explain. So, blood transfusions are the best way to relieve some symptoms of this disease, um, and after, you know, after you basically, you get a blood transfusion, it, like, replaces your blood, so, um you don't have your disease anymore so i guess porphyria just sort of subsides for a while so you can walk outside uh which is nice but i guess you have to um get blood transfusions fairly frequently if you want to relieve your symptoms all the time 
Um, I'm not sure if there's a cure for it. When I was looking, I couldn't really find one. Um, yeah. So, anyway, um, after a suspected vampire died, people often drove a stake through their heart or decapitated and burned the body just to make sure they stayed dead. Um, yeah, the Middle Ages, uh, fun time. What, what a jam people had. Alright, now, uh, in more current times, um, within the last hundred or two hundred years, um, the Great Vampire Panic of New England was a thing, uh, here in the USA. I honestly cannot believe this happened. But, like, medicine back in the day was not as, uh, understood and progressive as it is now. This was, like, 1800s. This was, what is this, like, 1880s, 1890s, um, when the Great Vampire Panic of New England was running around. Uh, and back then, you know, tuberculosis was a thing. Everyone was dying left and right. So I guess if you are scared citizen and you want an explanation for why everybody's dying and why creepy things are happening, you just make up some stories. Now, the Great Vampire Panic of New England. This was a reaction to the outbreak of tuberculosis, aka consumption, if you've ever heard that, in the 19th century. It was thought that the dead were coming back to consume the lives of their surviving family members, so people would exhume the suspected vampire's body after they were buried and burn their organs to try and stop the undead from killing the townspeople. Sounds pretty brutal if you ask me. I would not want that for anyone. Also, that probably smells pretty bad. A popular story of this event is of Mercy Brown and her family, um, and this is pretty much the most well-known story during this time. Um, of course, there are a bunch of others, but um, everybody, basically, this, this is the first story they mention when they talk about the Great Vampire Panic, so I'm going to tell you that story right now. In 1891, Mary Eliza, the mother of the family, was the first to contract consumption, and she died. Shortly after, her oldest daughter, Mary Olive, followed, and then Mercy Brown. Soon after, their brother Edwin got sick, but was still holding on to life. The neighbors began to suspect someone in the family was undead and had been causing the deaths of all the family members. The father, George Brown, gave permission to exhume the bodies in 1892. The village doctor had decided that Mercy was the undead member of the family, mostly because her body wasn't exhibiting typical decomposition. They decided to store her body in an above-ground crypt, which happened to be in the middle of winter in New England, which made the conditions of the crypt almost like a freezer. Uh, if you've ever been in New England in the winter, you know, New York, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, it gets well below zero for most of the winter so if you're in a stone crypt above ground in negative seven degrees for a few months you know your body is not going to decompose very quickly um you know that's i mean also we do that same kind of trick today when you die you are preserved in a really cold lab and you're, I mean, you're embalmed now, but, um, back in the day, I'm, I don't know, I guess they just put people in stone crypts and they said, oh, well, we're good to go now. If they come back as a vampire, oh, well. So 
Her heart and liver were burned after they exhumed her body, and they mixed her ashes with water and gave the drink to her sick brother. And he died two months later. No wonder, because he... Oh my gosh, this is so dumb. Of course he died, because he was already coming down with this disease, consumption, you know, tuberculosis. And then they gave him his dead sister's ashes to drink when she was already sick with the same disease. Girl, what? Who honestly thought that was a good idea? Like, <laughs> who came up with this? I I can't accept that. So, obviously, uh, that was a bad idea. And uh, I don't remember the exact year that the vampire panic ended, but um, I think it was just a couple years after 1892... 1893 something around there um after i guess tuberculosis had died down a little bit and people were slowly getting healthier um all right now the idea of vampires has changed over time quite a bit um as i'm sure we have realized by now it's very different than what it was from you know the 1600s to the 1800s to now 2020 um now we sort of look at vampires like the Vampire Diaries or Twilight or Halloween Town or some or even like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer a terrible movie um <laughs> we sort of look at vampires now as like I don't know for example uh the Vampire Diaries <laughs> me and my sister have watched this the entire series like six times in total um for some reason it's pretty great except it's not um now it's kind of there are creepy elements of this tv show if you've never seen it i'm gonna give you a very brief synopsis of what the characters are sort of like so in the vampire diaries uh you have the salvatore brothers right who are vampires they're like 165 years old and they both fall in love with the same girl who is a human, who is literally 16, like, a girl, that is just not right. So, of course, they don't kill her or ruin her life too much, um, but it's still, it's still not a nice idea. I don't like it. I really don't. It's a great show. It's fantastic. It, I love the drama. I live for the drama, but, like, when you really analyze it and dig deep into it and the ideas and the history behind everything it's just kind of gnarly and i'm i don't know don't like it um so anyway when we compare old vampire-esque literature like bram stoker's dracula or john polidori's the vampire um it's sort of hard to connect every element with the new age vampire culture like the vampire diaries of twilight or halloween town um just because the vampires that Stoker and Polidori were writing about were more like evil monsters whose only personality trait was drinking blood and embodying chaotic evil, um, while modern depictions of vampires are usually more centered around dramatic love stories about a mysterious guy who is moving to a small town and fall in love with this teenage girl, uh, which is absolutely not what it was like during the 1800s when these people were writing these stories um yeah so um i mean obviously the elements of vampirism are pretty similar from 
Bram Stoker's Dracula to Twilight or something or um, The Vampire Diaries I think is closer. I've never seen Twilight like I said in the last episode because I I read like the first two pages of the first Twilight book and I hated it so uh, yeah I never picked up another book like that again. Um, <laughs> but yeah I mean you know you stake a vampire with with a wooden stake it kills them you know um silver I guess a silver bullet does the trick too um burning them you know that's always a classic way to kill a vampire um so I mean you know basic stuff like that hasn't really changed um but just characteristics and how people write their characters of vampires really changed um because I mean cultural change obviously affects this too um now, what can kill a vampire? Like we've already gone over. Um, traditional ways include, but are not limited to, decapitation, stuffing the severed head's mouth with garlic, a blessed bullet, not necessarily silver, or a stake through the chest, specifically the heart. Now, supposedly people in the 1800s kept vampire killing kits, which held a crucifix, a stake, a rosary, a prayer book, and a pistol, among other things, depending on how you might have personalized your box. Um, the first box appeared in 1986, and in the years following, more boxes started popping up in popular auction houses. Pretty soon, as experts started to inspect these a little bit closer, it became apparent that these boxes were put together fairly recently and probably with some authentic pieces that made it look real, like wood or binding in the book or something, or like a really old rosary or a really old prayer book um, that might have been from like 200 years ago um, that made it look real. But it was officially reported that there was never such a thing as a vampire killing box. And this became somewhat of a disappointment to people who had the box or were planning to buy the box. Um, but the popularity and prices continued to increase despite the fact they had pretty much been proven as fake. Um, which I think is something interesting to note is that if you find something really crazy, especially something related to vampires or something that people chose to believe in and be scared of for such a long time I think it's kind of hard to ignore the possibility that something like this could have been real just because a lot of crazy stuff happened back in the day in like the 1700s 1800s early 1900s you know I mean people have believed vampires were a thing for a very long time so I can't really I don't know I don't want to discredit all those people who believe these boxes could have been real because honestly it might have been a thing you know at one time or another I have no idea I've never seen this vampire killing box in person uh, so I can't really say but I mean they were studied by experts a lot of these boxes were studied they went under a lot of um, I don't know, people basically just, they they just studied these really hard for a really long time just to, I guess because they maybe wanted it to be real, um, and I guess people were disappointed when they found out it was fake, but I'm honestly not surprised. Someone would just, you know, put together a box with some authentic pieces uh, that made it look like they found it, like, in the bottom of a basement from the 1800s, you know, to, like, sell it for a pretty penny, um... 
But yeah, these were ultimately proven to be fake, uh, which is kind of disappointing because I think it would be pretty funny if we found out that people in the 1800s kept kits to kill vampires just in case one happened to show up at your doorstep. Um, that'd be pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, there was no evidence to prove that they made whole boxes specifically to defend against vampires. Um, but some common items that people used to kill vampires, uh, not really found in the boxes, just back in the day when people were afraid of vampires. They kept knives, nails, skewers, um, plow plowshares, I'm not totally sure what that is, um, and scythes, and they could be used to stake the body or to remove the heart which could then be burned along with the rest of the body uh, of the suspected vampire. Now, there are a million depictions of vampires from old folktales to modern cinematography, um, and the general archetype of the vampire character uh, is a predator, basically just like a scary monster type of creature, and modernly that has been turned into very attractive young man moving to a small town falling in love with a little small girl and they try to live happily ever after until he turns her into a vampire and they both die um which seems to be pretty much what vampires are now but yeah vampires have changed a lot through the years um they their basic characteristics have stayed pretty much the same um like i explained like how different ways to kill a vampire or certain characteristics, you know, they're the, it's always a man, like strong man, the brooding type character, you know, the guy you don't want to get in a fist fight with, um, it's always sort of that guy, so that has pretty much stayed the same, um, do I believe in vampires? I'm really not sure, because I want to say they're real, um, I don't know though, just because there's been a lot of debate around, you know, like what is human history and what is just folklore history, you know, like the blood disease, for example, um, porphyria could be just, listen guys, in a time of panic, like the plague or like the vampire panic of New England, um, if you're really afraid of something, if your entire community, if whole towns, you know, villages, giant cities, wherever you're living, if everybody is in this like mass hysteria, obviously someone is going to come up with some kind of explanation for crazy, scary things that are happening, you know? Like, we've seen this with poltergeist too, also. Um, a poltergeist. There's a lot of debate about what it actually is. I have no idea. I might have to do an episode on poltergeists because they're pretty scary, honestly. They're pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, for the example, a poltergeist, is it just a lot of energy that just manifests itself in a scary way? Or is it an actual spirit that is just there to harm people and break open your cabinets and levitate your baby in the middle of the night, you know? Like, that stuff, you see, the unexplained world is really interesting, um, and I honestly have no answers for you, so if you have come to this podcast for an explanation, uh, sorry to disappoint, I have none, because <laughs> I don't know what is ever going on ever in life, um, so 
I'm just here to tell some stories, uh, and maybe give you a little scare. So, vampires, pretty scary, man. I don't know. I don't really like them that much. Um, yeah, except for maybe Nosferatu. He's a pretty cool guy. I think he's kind of funny, just the way he creeps upstairs with his, like, long, scary hands, <laughs> you know, just out in front being the scary vampire. Um, if anybody knows who Nosferatu is in 2020, please follow this podcast because we are now friends if you know who Nosferatu is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that much about vampires, honestly. They all just, I mean, there's honestly not very much difference between every single depiction of vampires out there. So, like, I don't know. I feel like everybody knows what a vampire is. Like, there's not really anything new or interesting that I could really contribute besides, like, medical history of what people believe to maybe be vampires. Um, hopefully... Uh, they're not real because I do not want to get bitten. First of all, I don't like needles. So the fact that something else, a humanoid type creature can just come in, suck my blood. No, thanks. I don't, I don't like getting my blood drawn. I don't want my blood drawn by a vampire. That sounds terrible. Also, uh, how, how do you become a vampire? Like, I couldn't really find one specific answer on this besides like, oh, if a vampire sucks your blood and something or other, then you become a vampire. But otherwise, if a vampire sucks your blood, they just kill you. Like, you just die. So does it depend on the vampire? Do they have magical powers? I know in the vampire diaries, um, if they decide to kill you, but then you have their blood in your system and you die, you come back to life as a vampire? But also, you could be changed into a vampire in other magical ways. So I'm really not sure. I don't know. I guess it's just up for interpretation. Um, yeah. Uh, if anybody has any vampire stories, um, please feel free to let me know. Because I would love to read some personal vampire stories. I haven't heard any. Like we stated in uh, the werewolf episode last week... Um, I don't really see a lot of these creatures running around anymore, you know? I haven't seen a vampire in real life. Um, aside from this one day on Halloween, uh, where I was little and I saw this vampire just walking around the street, I guess. It was this, like, mom dressed up as a vampire with her kid trick-or-treating. It was pretty convincing, not gonna lie. I was kind of spooked there for a second. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Real vampires, uh, if you're out there, please follow this podcast and let me know. Um, yeah, and I guess that's it for the vampire episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, there's going to be another episode, hopefully up on Thursday on time. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the topic is going to be yet, so stay tuned to find out. And thanks for listening. Remember to always look under your bed, lock your doors, and close your blinds, because you never know who's watching. See you next time.